1: Hello, hello,
0: hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by Osriel Ratz, and we're going to explore how to test and optimize your Facebook ads. By the way, if you want to reach me, email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. That comes right to my inbox. Let's now transition over to this week's brand new discovery.
1: Helping you stay alive in a social jungle. Here's this week's survival tip.
0: This week, I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric?
1: I found a great way to search for the exact right emoji. In fact, I should say you found it. I found one and you found a better one called emojipedia.org.
0: Uh, just out of curiosity, how do you spell that?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. dot org
0: Dot org. Okay. So explain to everybody what in the world it does.
1: Yeah. So you wouldn't think just getting emojis would be that complicated. We all know we can grab them from the desktop and from switching the keyboard inside of our mobile phones, no matter what phone we have. But finding the right one can be complicated. It can be a lot of scrolling. It can be because they're small on your screen. And they tend to be organized
0: like, like on my phone, when I'm looking for happy faces, I have to go mm -hmm. through, I have to go through bazillions of them to find it. And what if you're on a desktop, right? You don't have an emoji keyboard. There's another thing, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And and it, there's a hidden trick to get to some of those emojis inside of like the Mac. I don't know about the Windows. But this makes it much more easy, much more simplified and searchable, which is the key here. To be able to type in something and see all the different possible emojis pop up to then choose from is Hugely beneficial
0: I'll tell you how I was how I found this I did a post on Facebook and I was looking I wanted to find an emoji of like a person you know making a muscle on their arm. So I, I, I was searching around, I couldn't figure it out, and then I, ca- I got to this site and I just searched for muscles and then it came up with this thing called flexed biceps and arm flexing to show biceps muscle represents strength or working out. So then I clicked on it and what's cool is that you just hit the copy button and it automatically copies it for you and then you can, you can go ahead and just paste it directly into your update. And they show what it looks like on different platforms too, which is kind of exciting. Yes. I don't know if you saw that or not, Eric, because it all yeah, looks a little huge. different. Um, like for example, they'll show how it'll look on Facebook versus Google versus dot, dot, dot. Cause they're all a little bit different. Pretty cool, huh?
1: It's, it's great. I, I love this tool. Like I'm, I've already got it bookmarked and I'm using it on a daily basis, uh, multiple times a day. So,
0: and we should, we should talk about why emojis. You want to talk about that a little bit? Because that's, we've sure. kind of discovered some stuff,
1: right? Yeah, because what we've found and have heard in some of the things that we've discovered with uh, you know certain reports and different things is that emoji just evokes that emotion. It, emo- it, e- it evokes uh, – I-, I think of it as extra um, uh, capitalization – not capitalization, punctuation on right. the statements that you want to make out there on social. We get more engagement in other words. Flat yeah, out is yeah. What you it get. takes
0: up a lot less space. It obviously allows you to put a really short update out, right? And it, it seems to be, I mean, for an old guy like me, it seems I would never use emojis, but it seems like all the cool kids are using emojis. <laughs> so yeah. it, it kind of makes you a little more, um, I don't know, creative and fun with your posts, right?
1: Totally, yeah. I mean, even just a post earlier this week, I was t- we were talking about you know new data that came out, and I threw in you know a bar chart and something else and something else, and and then when we're talking about Facebook Live video or just Facebook video in general, I throw in the popcorn emoji and like the movie theater uh, projector, and people just start to gravitate more towards it and engage with it more.
0: Very cool. Well, why don't you tell everybody again where they can find this thing?
1: Yeah. So again, it is Emojipedia.org, and I'll spell it again. It's E-M-O-J-I-P-E-D-I-A.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eric. You're welcome.
0: Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com. Slash get updates. And now for today's interview with Osriel Ratz.
1: To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest.
0: This week, I'm very excited to be joined by Osriel Ratz. If you don't know who he is, he's the author of the Facebook Pixel eBook and the Facebook Ads Mastery Online Course. He manages Facebook ads for his clients all over the world. We're super excited to have him on the show. Welcome to the show, Osriel. Thank you so much for having me. So today, we're going to explore how you create test and optimize Facebook ads that really work so uh, let's back up and get a little bit of your story Osriel how did you actually get into Facebook ads what were you doing when you first said okay I'm gonna experiment with this Facebook ads thing tell us a little bit about the story
2: so I had just started working for a friend of mine and he had a business that had about a thousand emails on an email newsletter and he was just you know, letting me post on Facebook, Pinterest, on, on Instagram. It was just starting out then and Twitter. And he just wanted to know, you know, what was working and what wasn't. So I just went and looked at all the deep, like all the analytics in there. And what I noticed was that certain posts on Facebook were working really well. So then he turned to me and he said, why don't we try, you know, actually scheduling posts to come out on the right time and specifically target them based on what topics are doing well and what Think what things we talked about before that could do. How well long ago in the was this, well.
0: by the way? How many years ago are we talking?
2: Um, about five, and a, like five and
0: around five years ago. So he asked you to to start doing some tests and stuff, and then what happened?
2: Yeah, and then when we started noticing patterns, so what we did was we used to have poll questions, and we just asked people yes or no, really basic yes or no questions, and that would get a lot of activity on Facebook, which would allow a lot of reach there. But then on the website itself. We would have just a basic form that just allowed you to answer yes or no. And then no matter which one it asked you, to actually fill out the form, you needed to give your email address. And when we would do that, we would get 300 emails wow. on, on normal posts for free, meaning no paid acquisition, just for posts with yes or no questions. And we would do this every single day based on news, what was going on in the news, yes or no questions, how you felt about it. And we were getting in the tens of thousands of free emails wow. from that. And then he said, well, what happens if we – start paying for ads. And I said, I don't know. We'll just see what happens. And so this was just about now, a little more than five years ago, that we started running serious tests on Facebook. And we grew that email list from 1,000 to 150,000 email addresses Wow! over the next, you know, um, about three years. And that email list then led to actual e-commerce sales and client work that allowed us to do that same type of thing for our clients.
0: Now, Fast forward to today, what are you doing now?
2: So now, two years ago, I started my own business focusing on exactly that for clients, finding things that work for them and using Facebook ads to target their best potential audience with the best potential ads so that they get the the best return they can on the money that they spend.
0: Now, just out of curiosity, I know you and uh, do you have a background in math or analytics or any of this kind of stuff or did you do something totally different?
2: I actually have a degree in math, so yes.
0: Got it. <laughs> Good. And folks, you're going to begin to understand how some of this stuff—his uh, math background and running all these analytics and stuff—is going to be really um, instrumental to some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today. So, so you've been doing this now, you know, for about five years, and um, you know, t- talk to the marketers out there right now that are doing advertising on Facebook, but they're not really. They're not re- They have. They don't understand what it even means to optimize our ads or what it could mean for them. What do you want to say to them?
2: So most people think that Facebook ads is a very basic process. I know who I want to talk to. I know what I want to say to them. Let's just create ads, target those people, and that's the best that I could do. You know, I just choose an audience. Facebook will figure it out, and just let it run. Whatever the you know whatever the cost is, that's what it is. Nothing I could do about it. But if you think about the fact that If you just talk to the same person a different way, then potentially doing that will actually save you money on the cost to reach that person. And if you say something a little bit different in the ad, then that will cost you a little bit less in getting a click on that on your ad. So everything that you do can be saving you not just, you know, if it saves you one cent on the click, that could potentially save you in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on what your ad spend is in the long run.
0: Got it. So we almost need to think of this like a different industry known as conversion rate optimization, You know, which we've had some experts on this show where they talk about how just tweaking a few words or tweaking graphics on your website can get you to get more email subscribers. And the compounding effect of that over time can be monstrously big, right? And so many times we just say, well, it doesn't work or it does work. And we don't bother going back to the stuff that doesn't work and figure out you know, we might just give out all. We might just give up altogether on Facebook and say it doesn't work, right? Because yeah. we just didn't know what we were doing in the first place, right? I love those people.
2: More, more room for me on the platform. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's. You have a process uh, that you have um, put together to help people understand how to create highly targeted ads that that convert, and then. So let's talk about the process and we're going to dig into the optimization obviously once we unveil the process. So where do you want to start with the process?
2: So the first step in the process is to take a step back from the Facebook ad itself and realize that when you spend money on anywhere, when you're running ads in you know on TV or billboard or or on on in a newspaper, the first question you need to ask yourself is what do I actually want to achieve with these ads? Do I want to get leads? Do I want to get people on my webinar? Do I want to get people that come, like, actually show up in my store? And you have to take that same process that you would do for any other type of ad and, and apply that, that to Facebook ads. When I run this ad, what do I really want? Because if you run ads for video views on Facebook, Facebook will get you a lot of video views. But what you really wanted was email subscribers.
0: Hmm.
2: So you need to first ask yourself, what is the business goal I want to achieve when running these ads? And then just, you know, play backwards on which campaign should I use that will most likely get me the right results for my Facebook ad. So that's the same thing if, if you choose a, a, fa- a page-like campaign, you should not expect webinar subscribers. If you run a video view campaign, it's not so likely you'll get purchasers on your website. So you should create the campaign on Facebook based on what the actual goal of the campaign, of what, why you're spending that money.
0: That's the first step. You have lots of clients and they probably have some idea of what they want, but after you speak to them, they get clarity on what their goals should be. What are some of the more common goals that a lot of the uh, clients that you work with seem to have? Just so people can understand what some of the options are, the more popular options.
2: Right. So, most people come to you that they say they want Facebook likes. And as you say all the time, getting likes on your Facebook page might not be that great because who's going to actually see the post late? I mean, who's going to actually see your post just because they like your page? Right. So I come to them, I say, why do you want those likes? What's the point of the likes? And they say, well, because I want to get more views on my videos or I want to get more people on my email list. So I said, instead of focusing on the likes, let's focus on leads, sales, and brand awareness. Those are usually the three the three types of goals that most clients want.
0: So let's say that we've figured out our goals and we've thought them through and we know what we really want, which is not just a video view, but perhaps an actual sale. Um, what's the next part of the process?
2: So the, the next part of the process is to find your best potential audiences. And what I mentioned earlier was that what happens if there's another way for you to target that same person? So let's say we're in the marketing sphere, trying to target people based on marketing. So you might want to target people based on books that they read or magazines that they read or specific entrepreneurs that they read. Mm -hmm. And those are three different types of talking to the same person. It's very likely that a person who follows you on Facebook would also follow Social Media Examiner or a person that follows, you know, Seth Godin might not, might, might be a very similar person to the person who follows Tim Ferriss, that type of thing. But if you run different ad sets, targeting each of those different groups and run them simultaneously, you'll be able to see which targeting for your audiences gets you the best results.
0: Couple quick questions. I know that there's yeah. a lot of people that are uh, use their personal profiles and their verified personalities and they have followers, can you target those individuals or are you only able to target their fan pages?
2: So this is a very important point to make that when you run interest-based targeted ads, you're not targeting people that are fans of a page. You're targeting people with the interest of that topic. So an example I like to use is Donald Trump. Donald Trump has about 20 million likes on Facebook. The interest of Donald Trump has like 200 million people that would because be a lot like of people talk about or Trump right. but don't actually like his Facebook page. Mm. So that's a very important distinction between liking the page, which you can't do unless it's your own page, or the interest of that topic, which very well could be a negative or a positive feeling towards that interest.
0: So how do we even know – how do we even know who to target? I mean – because finding those targets, I mean, you mentioned what publications do they, what magazines do they read and all that kind of stuff. Um, is there, you know, is there any kind of, I, mean, I would imagine that if if we do not know that, we ought we to put a survey together and ask some of our customers. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah.
2: yeah. Well, there's there's also another way, which is a tool from Facebook Ad Manager called Audience Insights. And if you already have followers or purchasers or email subscribers, you can actually take that audience in Facebook ad manager and look at the audience insights and we'll break it down by age and demographic and pages that they like and interests that they have. And then once you know that, and then then it even says like how often they use Facebook and where they use Facebook, if it's mobile or desktop, how often they click on ads, all of this information that you see there in audience insights. And you could turn around and say, let's find people just like those people. And hmm. it'll give you a whole list of different pages to look at and interests that they might have. You know, you know it'll say, these are the ce- celebrities they follow. This is, these are the news stations that they, that they watch. These are the political figures that they care about. These are the magazines they read. And it actually breaks it down based on the collected audience that Facebook has and shows you basic information about those people.
0: Can I actually upload a export of my customers and get that kind of insight?
2: Yes. As long as it's above about 400, 500 people, Facebook will give you the basics. Over 1,000, it will give you everything. So you just go into audiences within Ad Manager, upload it, give it about 30, 45 minutes. And then when you jump into audience insights, there'll be a place to drop that audience in and Facebook will give you all of those details.
0: Interesting. Wow. And then when we get that detail, do you recommend that... um, we take it with a grain of salt, or take it as the gospel. What you know, how well, what, t- what yeah.
2: I would do is I would, you know, I would compare different audiences because many times your website visitors will be very similar to your email subscribers, which will be very similar to your purchasers. So if you look at each of those audiences separately and compare them. So you'll see many similarities between them. Oh, their ages are about the same. Oh, they're all married or single. They're all men or female. And you'll, you'll start seeing these patterns. And then you could build your own audiences, right? You don't have to base it off your custom audiences. You can go and drop in different interests. You could type in, you know, um, social media examiner. It'll give you a list of all of the things that people with the interests of that topic have, and then compare it to your existing audiences and say, well, Facebook makes them look very similar. What happens if I run ads to them? What happens if, you know, I actually see, are these people, do these people act like my existing audiences?
0: Huh. Fascinating. Okay. So we start with defining what our true goals are. Then we talk about finding an audience that will actually convert. Um, Is there anything more on the finding the audience before we go to the next step? Okay. What's the next step?
2: The next step is to engage them with the best possible ad.
0: Okay. Talk to me. What does that mean?
2: So, most businesses that I know will only create about three, at most, three ads per every ad set. And I honestly believe that you're missing out on a huge possible ad that you didn't create. Because the way that the Facebook paid algorithm works is it looks at things like the image or video that you're using, the text on the ad, the landing page that you're sending people to, and, you know, a lot of other factors that influence what Facebook thinks of that ad. So an example that I like to use is that there's three places for text on your ad. The, the text, the post text above the image, mm-hmm. and then the headline, which is that big, bold, black text. And then below that is the description, which is that gray, smaller text on every post. Right. So what you don't know is that when your user goes through Facebook, they will see hundreds of thousands of posts over the course of, you know, a month. And they really like a certain topic. And whenever they see that word, bicycles, in the headline, that gets them to watch the video. Whenever they see it, you know, and then there's another group of people who, whenever they see it in the description, they'll click on it. And whenever they, another group, whenever they see it in the post text, they will click on it. So if you only created one version of the ad, you only put the word bicycles in the post-text, and then you never created a version that had it somewhere else, you are leaving what could be potentially the best ad you've ever made to have never been made. So I, I use this process where I create three versions of text, so th- three lines of text, we we'll just call it ABC, and put that in one In one ad where A is the post text, B is the headline, and C is the description. And then I simply duplicate that post in Power Editor and just switch two of the placements. So instead of it being A, B, C, the next one would be A, C, B. And I do that over and over again to make every version which makes six different versions of the text – and so you have ABC, ACB, BCA, BAC, and you know. So just to be things. clear,
0: because obviously we're yeah. talking, are, we're talking right. stuff that might confuse people. You're you're taking the, you're taking the, the same
2: exact text.
0: Yeah. But it's gotta be just enough text to fit in the headline. Cause that's the smallest one, right? Or right. So, yeah. so you're creating like three different things, uh, three different versions of that text, if you will. And you're labeling that ABC and then you're, you know, mathematically, that should be like what is that? Nine different permutations. It's six or it's six? Okay. six. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you're creating six different options of that one ad. And but it's the
2: same exact ad with just the text in the di- in a different place.
0: And the, and you're not changing the visual at all on it, right? So that that's six.
2: So what I do like to do is I like to test four different visuals. So ah. if I have six versions with the same image. Then I have f- testing four different images. I now have twenty four different ads in that ad set. And then I'll do that entire process again. So I'll do, just like I did ABC, I'll also do DEF and that same thing. Six ads with the same four images. So what I end up having in that one ad set is 48 ads, which is really two versions of text and four images.
0: Got it. Okay. And we might already be getting into the optimization side of this. I don't know. Um, How do you know um, what you should put in those ads in the first place, I guess, is one of the questions, right? Because a lot of people may not have copywriting background or whatever. I mean, like how, how would you vary each one of those things so that it's different enough that it doesn't seem to be duplicating, you know, like you obviously the A, B and C, are these like your three best headlines, you know? And then, yeah. Is that so the what you
2: don't want to do is just say the same exact thing, the same way three times. Right. Cause that would just be like the same words over and over again. So I would say probably of all of the, you know, strategic parts of this, this actually takes a creative mind. This part of it, where what are what are my text, what does the text of my ad actually say, and you you kind of have to say what will get this person to click, what will get this person to watch this video, and that's the text you want to put. You want to you know put enough in there that it gives value and not too much that they don't want to click.
0: Can I, I just uh, can we it. try one real quick? Just because I'm an on the fly copywriter, so let's take the let's take how to optimize your Facebook ads. Let's just say that's one of my ABCs. And maybe my maybe that's A. Maybe B is um do you know if your ads, your Facebook ads work? Um, would that be an example of a variation that's strong enough?
2: Yeah, so I think that would be fine, but I I think that if you were to use the term just the first one that you came up with, yep. I would be like, okay, that's like everyone else. They're just, you know, because it happens to be in the Facebook ads world. There's a lot of like spammers and you don't really yeah. know what's going on. There, so, so, I would just kinda, so how like, would, yeah. I'd so how would you one? take,
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. So you wouldn't say how to optimize your Facebook ads, right. but you might say, you might say, are your, are your face- ads
2: running to the best of their ability?
0: Got it. And then how about another right? one?
2: And then the next line would be, you know,
0: hmm. um, are you overspending on your Facebook ads? Would that be another example? Or are, are are you? Go ahead.
2: Are the people you're talking to even interested in what you have to say? Got it. Right. So it's like two different things. They all have to do with the same thing. Right. But they aren't saying the same thing twice.
0: Right. Um,
2: or this this proven strategy will increase your you know decrease your spend by five
0: times. Or do your eyes roll back when you go into ads manager? <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, those are yeah. <laughs> you know, something creative is what I hear you saying, right? right. But yes. but you create 3 of them and then you start messing around with the placement of all three of them. So they're all in every ad. It's just a question of where they're placed. Is that what I hear you saying? Exactly. Exactly. Interesting. Okay, cool. All right. So, um, are we getting into the optimization side here? Yes. So yes. so That's step 4. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about what how do we it, you know, we're running these ads. Let's just say we're starting with six or however many we happen to run. Right. I like
2: to do 24. So okay. So let's just six assume six we're doing 24 images. That's the so, basic. So, okay. So let's talk now.
0: about the images real quick. Well, how should we vary each of the images?
2: So I would say one thing in the last few weeks, I've noticed an incredible increase in um, cost Per impression on images in comparison to videos. So if you have the ability to use a video in ads, at right now I would say do it. Do whatever you need to do to make a video, even if it's just a basic slideshow with a bunch of images.
0: Really, because it's, it's yeah. more economical.
2: It. it I, I did it with one of my clients, and we cut cost per lead down by about fifteen cents. And all the only difference was the four images we were using as the the images for the ads. We just took each of those four, made a 10 second video with some free music from Facebook, and now... Kind of like, like a Ken
0: Burns effect or something like that, you know, yeah. where it slowly moves across the image or something like yeah. that?
2: No, and no text or anything, just those four images, and now, oh, it's a video, so that'll, like, stop them from scrolling.
0: So if someone wanted to test this, they could take two still images and match it up against two uh, video exactly. versions of the very same images. Is that what I hear exactly. you saying? yes. Now, since we're talking about video here and and images, the natural question that I have is, can we put text in the actual image itself? What's your thoughts on that?
2: Facebook really doesn't like it. Since they've removed the 20% rule, they're actually stricter on text than really? they were before. Okay. So I would prefer, whenever I work with clients, we try to use images without text on it.
0: What about just a logo? We
2: get hit. Logos are fine, but okay. actual like writing text on it, it's way worse than it was. So if your say, logo has a eight, word in it, they're not
0: going to ding you as much. But if it's like, if it's like, no, uh,
2: okay. if it's, if it's actual text that, you know, it's a, fr- a real font that they could see and it looks like words, then, Got then it. You,
0: yeah. Okay. Um, and how should we vary our, um, I mean, give us some feedback on, on how to even select the right kind of images, you know, whether it's Honestly, video, whether it's video I've or still seen
2: stock images do well. Really? Right? Like, yeah, like I literally typed in, I have a client that's here in Israel and we're trying to, you know, it's a pro-Israel organization, and we just typed in Jerusalem and got four images from the stock images. Got it. And that's the ones we're using. Like, it could literally just be anything. If you have your product, obviously it needs to be something that looks nice because that's an important factor both for the person wanting to look at the ad and Facebook saying this ad doesn't look right. What's, why is the image not fit in it?
0: Well, let's talk about like
2: an image that fits in in our case,
0: in our case, social media marketing world. So we have like professional photographers who are all over the place. Right. And Mm -hmm. we've got smiling faces. We've got people taking notes. We've got people up on stage. I would imagine we could just pick like three or four that are really nice looking images.
2: Well, Um, I would say the other way around, I would say, why do people come to your event? Is it because they have a great time? Is it because they network? Is it because of the speakers? Mm -hmm. And if you know that answer, then you would say, well, I know that it's these three speakers that are bringing my audience to, you know, to my event. So let's use those speakers, the pictures of those speakers in the, in the actual ads because that person will see like, oh, that's the reason why I'm coming or I'm I'm coming to have a great time. So let's have pictures of people having a great time. So that's really what you need to think about is why do people care about your product and then use images that convey that message?
0: Very cool. Okay. So, um, we've got our, 48 ads or however many you said, 24. Yes. So what are we doing to optimize them once they're running? Right. What are we looking for, first of all?
2: So before I get into this, I just want to show that those three steps were exactly the structure of how Facebook ads work. Step one was focusing on the campaign. Step two was focusing on the ad set. And step three was focusing on the ads. Hmm right? So that's, the, and the reason why i take that step back before is just because you need to walk through those three steps. And before you even sit down to write those ads, to actually put them into ad manager or power editor, you're going through the steps of in your mind, breaking each of those three steps down. How do I want it to work? What do I want to accomplish here? You know, who do I want to talk to? Got it. So that's, that's those three steps. Now these, this last step, which is optimizing your ads is where the math really comes in because you want to find out what is wrong with your ads, and change that thing. So one example of of, of, a metric that I don't look at is relevance score. I totally don't look at relevance score. And the reason is because it doesn't tell you anything. It doesn't tell you what to do. So I only care about metrics that tell me, that give me a clear call to action that says something is wrong here needs to be fixed. So I look at four key metrics that show me ex- essentially exactly what needs to be done with these ads. And those four metrics are, one, CPM, which is cost per 1,000 impressions. Two is CPC, which is cost per click. Three is time on site, which is not found on an on, on ad manager, but rather on your analytics, on your website. And four is conversion rate on the landing page. So each of these four steps gives you uh, – metrics gives you a clear step to take in your ad process. So let's say you set up your five different ad sets in your campaign, each of them targeting the same types of people, but talking to them differently. And now you run your ads and you give it to around two days, like a minimum of 36 hours to just optimize on Facebook side. And now you're seeing these five ad sets. Some of them have low CPM, meaning you're, you're getting in front of a lot of people for a low price. And some of them have higher CPM. So the fact that some have low and some have high shows you that the ads hey, wait, are wait, Hold fine. on.
0: I got to back you up. You said the five yeah. ad sets, just in case somebody doesn't track. Oh, okay. Where did you create so when, five when ad sets? But I mentioned
2: sets. that each each of the different audiences you're going to test against, because we create, you know, I said before, I said with entrepreneurs, so it'd be like magazines they read and authors that they, you know, and influencers in the space and-
0: Oh, well, okay. So they, this they, is important they, clarification. So, yes. so we're creating this variance of ads and we're- we're targeting each set against a different audience. Is that what I hear you saying? Correct, correct. Okay. So, um, so this is one area where a lot of people probably don't even – do anything other than just pure remarketing. I would imagine if you were doing remarketing, that would be one. If you were doing. But
2: even in remarketing, there's a lot of remarketing to do, right? It could be people that visit your site. It could be email subscribers. It could be people that bought before it could I be people that like your Facebook page It could be people that watch your videos. It could be people that engage with your page. Got it. Like there's so many types of remarketing. And even in those, if your audiences are big enough, you might want to separate each of them into their own ad set. So I don't want to target my Facebook likes with my website visitors. They might act differently.
0: Got it. Okay. So go back to what you were saying. I think yeah. we're, we're digging into so it. go ahead.
2: If you run those five ad sets at the same time and you look at the CPM, Facebook is going to tell you, you know, if some are low and some are high, that means the ads are fine, but it's the people you're talking to that are the problem. If all across the board, they're all very high, you know, you're paying $28 for a thousand impressions for every single one of those ad sets. That clearly shows it's not the audience, or it could be, but it's more likely that it's the ad itself that's the issue. Why am I spending so much money to show this ad? So now I can look at the CPM and say, "Oh, Facebook is clearly showing me here the ad needs to be fixed." So, so I change my ad. So just to be I clear, when yeah. just
0: to be clear, Facebook punishes you if your ads aren't getting an engagement by giving you a higher cost. Is that what I hear you saying?
2: So, so there's two things. Either the ads are right, but the audience is wrong or the audience is right, but the ads are wrong. I see. Or there's a third option where they're both wrong.
0: It's not based on competition necessarily.
2: I wouldn't worry about competition so quickly okay. because there's 2 billion people on Facebook. Yep. You're not nearly spending enough money. I mean, unless you're, you're one of those people who are spending you know, in the hundreds of thousands of dollars plus on Facebook every month you don't really have to worry about competition with any other company or with yourself. So I wouldn't so much worry about. So oh, what's a good
0: CPM? How do people even know whether it's good or not? I mean, I would imagine it's, it's going to vary based on every audience, but. It's,
2: it's, there's an, I can't, I don't want to give a number.
0: But okay, but you <laughs> said t- the $28 one, you said, let's just say that's high. So that's in that case, high, yes. in that's ca- and, and what would be a low one? Like if you've got five audiences and two of them are $28, it, what would the other ones be in order for you to maybe have a signal that, that this audience seems to be less expensive dollars
2: five dollars got and it one i'm running as at 53 cents for a thousand cpm like a thousand impressions
0: got it and um i would imagine the remarketing audiences are more expensive than the lookalike audiences is that fair not
2: not if they're big enough audiences then they'll be actually cheaper because it's likely that the ad will be more engaging for them
0: mm. okay so we're we're analyzing the cpm literally just after a day and a half is what I hear you saying. Yeah, yeah, And if, if, if we find that, um, some of them are, if they're all high, then it's a signal. We got a problem with our ads is what I heard you saying. And if they're yes. some are high and some are low, then it means that the audience might be the issue. Right. So right. what do we do with the high ones? Once let's assume that some are high and some are low. What do we do with a high audience? Do we just shut those so down?
2: I don't like just saying, look at CPM and turn your ads off. So because there are so many other metrics, but it clearly shows you an indication of what Facebook thinks about your ads. Right. Like Facebook is clearly showing you your your ads think you need to change your ads or, you know, your ads are good, but you really have to find better people to talk to.
0: Got it. Okay, what's next?
2: The next thing is to look at the cost per click. So if you've gotten your CPM down, you know, you're reaching the people you want, you're targeting them properly, then in theory, they should want to click on your ad. But if your cost per click is very high, that shows you that they don't want to click on they're not clicking on your ad, and the only reason for that would be that the actual text or call to action on the ad isn't strong strong enough to get them to click mm-hmm. So you look at your CPM if it's high, you need to be what I like like more aggressive in your ad, actually tell people you know click here to get this information or change the call to action button from learn more to download or something else. And that will hopefully get those same people who saw your ad and didn't act to see the next time and actually interact with the ad.
0: Okay. Now this, this begs a question that I don't think I got clarity on earlier when we're originally putting together our, our, um, three different variations of our copy. Um, and, you were testing, were testing those three different locations that you said that you could test. Where in the world does the call to action fit into all this? Does one of those so need to be I a call almost to action? I
2: always use the learn more button. I see. Because it, the, from my tests that I've done in the past, I noticed that other buttons cost more money.
1: Oh, Just really? using okay. the
2: other button. So switching it from the learn more to the download button will cost you more money on every level of the ad.
0: But also in the text that's above the graphic, there's a lot more real estate up there. So do you recommend also writing a compelling call to action that goes into that text that's on every ad?
2: I've done that a few times, but usually it's not you, like you don't need that much real estate to... Uh, Got it. You can could, you could put it anywhere.
0: Okay. so One w- of
2: the lines of action could be click here to download your ebook or something like that. One right. of the three lines.
0: So, So the cost per click, will it go up or will it go down if more people are clicking. I mean, how is that calculated? It's
2: not, it's not based on if more people are clicking. It's based on if Facebook feels like the audience and the ad matches, then in theory, the cost should go down.
0: Oh, really? Okay.
2: Yes. Meaning if your ads have no correlation to the people that you're reaching, then Facebook is going to say, these people don't like your ad. They will not. They will not engage with it. We're going to charge you a lot of money.
0: Got it. Does this mean we should get more narrow with our audiences to try to reduce the cost per click?
2: Yes and no. Obviously the going too narrow is a problem. If you're targeting, you know, 17 people on Facebook, they're going to you're going to pay a lot of money to just reach those exact 17 right. people, but if your audiences are sit- sitting between 150,000 and 250,000 and you're only spending a few dollars a day in that ad set. You know, ten dollars a day, fifteen dollars a day in that ad set. So that's a fine audience size to run ads to.
0: Okay, so we've talked about CPM, which is the cost per thousand. We talked about cost per click, and what about time on site? How do we calculate that? Is that using Google um, Google analytics? analytics? Okay. Yeah. And how are we able to determine? Um, that the ad traffic specifically came from Google Analytics. I'm assuming you're talking about using UTM parameters. Is that correct?
2: Yes. So what I like to do is that in each of the ad sets, they get the entire 48 ads in that ad set get one UTM. Got it. So now when we run the ads, we can jump into Google Analytics and we'll actually see, oh, the traffic that came from our email subscribers, that those people spent seven minutes on the page. And the people that came from our Facebook likes spent 33 seconds on the page. Okay, well, I I see from here our traffic from email subscribers are a lot better.
0: So we're looking for the, uh, and I would imagine, you know, for those that don't know what the heck UTMs are, you can have a, uh, you can have three different variables, so you can have a medium, and you can have I can't remember all the other ones, but you medium
2: could, source campaign, and actually also sub campaign.
0: So I would imagine if you really wanted to, you could actually uh, get it down to every one of those ads could have a, a campaign or sub campaign parameter on them, and if you notice that. Um, some of those audiences are spending a lot more time on the site. I guess that's an indicator that that may be an interested audience. Is that fair assessment? Okay. Yes.
2: So, so that's why that, that metric is very important because you're getting people to click on your page, but do they stay on your page? Right. So if, if we're getting a lot of traffic, you know, this happens a lot when people target uh, audience network, if a lot of money is being sent to audience network, Usually the cost per click is really, really low, like two, three cents. And you're, you're so excited. I'm getting all these really cheap clicks. But then when you go into your Google Analytics and you see they spent 12 seconds on your site on average, you're usually not so happy about all that money you just spent on no one coming into your site. So you want to have that balance between I'm paying for the click and then they're actually staying on my site. Got it. And really, there's only a few reasons why a person would leave very quickly. One the headline on the actual landing page has nothing to do with the ad that that they came from. So if you know if if you were promised a Facebook ebook on your ad, and then you get to the landing page and it says "Sign up for this Google, you know, analytics yeah for, um, ebook," and you're like, "What am I doing here? This is not the right page," and you'll still just you'll just leave. Got it. Right. So if there's no correlation between the actual ad and the landing page, or if the landing page doesn't work very well, you know, if I come to a a non-mobile friendly website on my web, on my phone, and I have no idea who you are, I have no reason to stay here. So again, that would be a reason why my CP, my time on site would be low. And then if the imagery is wrong, if the, you know, people just couldn't care less about your video or nothing really is happening on your site, they won't stay that long on your site. So again, this is a a metric that you look at it and immediately you could say, oh, two minutes, that sounds about how long it would take on average for someone to get through the content on this page. Okay, that's good. You know, they're actually reading the content. They're actually watching the video on my page.
0: So let's move move over. Then again,
2: there's a clear call to action to take. Fix your landing page.
0: Yep. All right. Let's go to the last one. Which is the conversion rate. The
2: last one is conversion rate. So they spent, you know, they got, they saw your ad, you spent a little bit of money to get them to see your ad. Then they actually clicked on your ad. Then they actually read your content on your landing page. But for some reason, they're not converting. There really is only in my mind about two reasons why they would not convert. One, they don't care about the offer. You know, they care about the actual service, but you're only offering a 5% coupon. They don't really care about your 5% coupon. Or you're giving... Or the form is asking for things they don't want to give you. So you I had one client where we were asking for their phone number and no one wanted to give us their phone number. But when we switched phone number to email, everyone was fine with giving us their email address.
0: Got it. So this and is it was just this a is specifically of for those, those two things. Yeah, this is yeah. specifically for those just using ads to generate leads. So
2: well I'm saying for anything. If it's for purchases, yep. and you see they're coming to your product page and looking at the product, but then they're not buying they're spending five minutes on your product page. So maybe it's because they're interested in the type of product, but they don't care about that specific product. So that means you should test other products, give a better deal on that product. How, so it applies to anything.
0: How often are we doing this analysis and how long do we need to wait before we do the CPM, the CPC and the conversion rate? Because not everyone's going to be able to figure out the time on site because it just might not they might not be using UTMs or maybe they can't, but like we do this every week, every day. I mean, how often are we optimizing here?
2: So the, again, we would wait at least 36 to 48 hours before doing anything with the ads. And then on the campaign as a whole process that could already be done day three or four. And then when you go down to the ad set level, you could do it between five and seven days and then when it's on the actual ad level where there's so many different ads running at the same time so then you'd have to give a little bit more time you know about about seven to ten days for that process to start coming in
0: and then so let's just say we're doing we're doing it once a week for simplicity's sake
2: oh no no so i'm saying that's just when you start the ads once the ads are running you just want to make sure that your ads are staying on average where where the you know, where you expect those metrics to be. So if you're getting CPMs of $2 every single day and you come back and for, th- for two days in a row, it's at 15. So something's happening, you know, you need to fix something.
1: Mm.
0: Awesome.
2: So I would come in every day, even if it's just for two minutes, just to see, you know, what happened three days, to, you know, the last three days. And then these three days, just compare like a three-day. At what point um, do we average.
0: add in new, ad- start experimenting with new ads?
2: Well, that depends how bad your ads are doing. Right. If, if after two days, nothing's happening, then the first thing I would test, I mean, it really depends on this exact process. Is it the CPM? That's an issue. So, right. So if all the CPMs are high, that's, it means it's time to try a new audience. If it's, and use the same ads. If it's that, if it's the, if some are high or some are low, sorry, the other way around, if some are high or some are low, it's it's the audience and not the ads. And if all the CPMs are high then it, it means that it's time to try new ads within the same targeting, the same audiences.
0: And I would imagine because Facebook always changes the rules, you ought to be keeping up on what's going on in the industry as well, right? Because like, you know, the 20% rule went away, you know, and right. now now video seems to be performing better, but tomorrow that could change. So it's a constant rat race. Well, Azrael, I want to say thank you, first of all, for laying out a plan that people can understand and get behind and start experimenting with, because I don't think I've ever had anybody on my show who's helped, you know, people kind of wrap their brain around this, because this is complicated, and people are spending a lot of money, and they could be just literally throwing money out the window, or as Osriel said, they could be missing a lot of opportunity because they just don't realize. That because they haven't been optimizing things, they don't realize that they could be getting more sales, more leads, and so much more for a more economical rate. Um, Azrael, why don't you tell everybody where they can discover more about you and all the great stuff you've got going on, and, and anything you want to share?
2: Yeah, so I'd say the best place to find me is on my Facebook page at Rats Pack Media, and on there, besides the content that's being put out all the time, I actually have a messenger bot on that page that will go through all of the details. Of this entire process, step by step, with images and explanation, every single thing that you need to know about this entire process.
0: Spell it out, just so they, because you spell it different. Ratz
2: is R A T Z Pack P A C K Media M E D I A.
0: Awesome, Azriel Ratz. Thank you so much for joining us this week and sharing all your awesome insight with us. And folks, just so you know, his name is spelled A Z R I E L. Last name is R. A T Z. Osriel, thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's interview. I know that there was a lot of great stuff there. If you missed anything, don't worry. We took all the notes for you. You can find them over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 263. Stands for episode 263. Hit that subscribe button on your podcast player. You don't want to miss a future episode of this show. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, the fast-talking Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.